It is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today is brought to you by the Willie Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Poly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop. Flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and more in Waitsfield. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. Vermont's largest independent home center. Sticksandstuff.com online. Find out store locations and hours and great specials. P&R Lumber, Route 15 in Wolcott. Family milled lumber for all your projects. P&R Lumber on Facebook as well. Guy's Farm and Yard, four locations to serve you in Vermont. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. They bring you the In the Garden podcast. Dandelion Acres Garden Center. They're online at dandelionacres.com. Our telephone number is 802-244-1777 for your garden questions and comments. And here's the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Uh, good day to you, my friend. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's a beauty out there. And, uh, um, in the garden now is, these are the salad days, as they say. This is, this is when so many things are starting to ripen from tomatoes to zucchinis, uh, all your lettuces, uh, a lot of the radishes have come and gone already and greens like spinach, uh, um, and all of that stuff. Yeah, well, all my lettuce plants are holding hands and saying, let's all bolt together. <laughs> That's why you have to plant them over and over so that the bolt can, can bolt and you can, well, hey, you know, uh, I have found that, that bolted, um, bolted romaine, right? Actually, if you ever make a soup, do you ever put a, a scroll in it? You know, it's a, you know, it's a bitter green. Oh, yeah. Escrow. No, I haven't. No, I know what yeah. it's grown. It's part of a, a, you know, it's part of a lot of soup stuff, soups. Recipes is a scroll. And, uh, if you don't happen to have a scroll, the bolted, um, the bolted romaine is a hearty enough leaf to cook in a soup. And the bitterness goes. And I, I found that, uh, well, I tasted one of the leaves and thought, oh boy, huh, this tastes like a scroll. And, and I thought, well, let me try it in my soup, see if I can use it in a soup. And by golly, it worked really well. So you can bolt with your lettuce, but you can also use it. 
I learn something every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> so, uh, in that, in that vein, one of the things I, I would like to talk about today is, uh, preserving the harvest, you know, the, the different ways that we do that. And, um, the question now to all you listeners is, well, what do you can? What do you freeze? What do you dry? What do you ferment? You know, what do you save for cold storage? I'm curious to know what you're doing out there. And, um, uh, you know, the cold storage most common is, of course, potatoes, carrots, beets, that kind of thing, the root crops. Uh, for fem- fermenting, you know, my three favorite, of course, are cucumbers and uh, to make pickles, sauerkraut from cabbage and kimchi with, uh, with a whole bunch of ingredients. And then for freezing, I like, of course, the frozen fruits and pesto, one of my favorites. And we do lots of greens like, uh, collards, kale, spinach, all those things. So let me know what you do. And, uh, uh, well, uh, drying. I love to dry all of our, our herbs, you know, and we make a, a couple of different, uh, tea combinations, which are just great. And, uh, Joel, do you have somebody? You got somebody, uh, I'm trying to up. find that computer program. No, you go right for <laughs> no, it. No, no, it'll take me it. an hour, so we'll just say, <laughs> let's hello, let's say hello to Okay. <laughs> hello, name in town. David, How about that? David Montpelier, yeah. <laughs> David Montpelier, welcome. What's going on? Well, I had some very healthy cucumber plants and they are gone. Wow. They were, they were consumed or killed overnight. By the little cucumber beetle, I actually found one of the buggers, a little mm. um, yellowish orange with the black mm. racing stripes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I sorry. realized that uh, I well, there are worse things to be sorry for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suppose. But uh, we 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 recovered a dozen um, cucumbers, so we're we're good for a week or two. <laughs> That's Looks good. Like no canning. <laughs> Looks like no canning this year. What well, you're in Montpelier, so you can stroll right down to the farmers market and get all I the cukes you ever want. And they're usually I priced <laughs> very reasonable. They usually give them away with with two free zucchini. So, <laughs> and so, my favorite. Uh, what, my, yeah, go ahead. No, what what what? I, I know I'm out of luck this year. Mm-hmm. What do I do next year? Well, uh, my favorite remedy for those guys is uh, is to get them up off the ground because uh, the beetles crawl on the ground and they're not much for crawling up. So mm-hmm. if you can, any way you can get your your cucumbers up on a trellis, uh, that would that would be step number one. Um, uh, the uh, what I do is I plant actually eight cucumber plants in a four-foot row, and I have a um, I have a, a six up to eight-foot trellis that I do. And I, I've, I don't know if you've heard me ex- explain what I do before, but uh, that trellis, uh, the trellis is by design that I've had, I've had for over thirty years, and they last and last and last. So um, I've used cages. Uh, like the, uh, a large tomato cage, yeah. So they are actually pulled up and draped over, and uh-huh. they're uh-huh. not well. The only part that's on the ground is is the part that has to be, which is the root system. Yeah, yeah. And, and you used those, or is that what you were using? Yes, this is this is what we've used for years. We 
and I think it was per your advice, probably. Uh-huh. Yeah, to get them off uh, of the ground. Yeah, but they right. still found you, huh? So yes, uh, a couple of a uh, couple of things, of course, is to is um, uh, at the end of the year, make sure you dig up uh, all those places that you had cucumbers. Dig them up, turn them over, and put a uh, you know put a mulch on top of them. Um, the other thing, if it's a really bad infestation, you can, you know, once you pull all those, uh, put a piece of clear plastic down on top of it and quote unquote solarize, you know, which mm-hmm. it heats up the, heats up the ground enough to kill any of the little, the, the bugs, um, you know, eggs that nest in there. Um, the, of course, the, the, f- Third thing that you need to do is to make sure you're rotating. You know, if you have a really small garden, that's probably not an option. But if you have a garden that's large enough, either rotate um, uh, or find a new spot. The other thing that you can't, yeah, go ahead. The the garden is is it small, ten yeah. by twenty. And oh yeah. We move we move things around. Yeah. And I, yeah. I keep a map. Yeah. You I, have I, trained us well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's that's good. Uh, then the next thing to try is to go ahead and try um, the uh, a black plastic, uh, um, you know, mulch instead of a you know like a um, you know a leaf or a straw mulch. Uh, mm-hmm. That way, you um, the most important tool in the garden is you, the gardener. And um, if um, if you if you watch fairly early in the season, and I think it's like in June, uh, you can see them crawling around, and that's the time that you can actually uh, you you know pick them and throw them into soapy water, and and that's actually a very effective uh, you know a very effective remedy too. Um, you know, and like I said, if it's an infestation, you can't seem to get a control of it, then try, uh, try that solarizing. That would be the other thing. And then the last thing, it's tough to spray them because you gotta find them to spray them. So what you would be doing would be spraying for the, you know, the eggs that are laid on the bottom of the leaf. Mm-hmm. So those are, that's a handful of things that you can do. Um, and know that, like many bugs, it is cyclical. So if you haven't had them before, um, look for them really carefully next year because they'll run in a couple year cycle, and then then they'll just sort of clear up for for no good reason. It's the same reason that they came. You know, you just never know. Was is this something you carried in on a um, in some composters is something that came in on a plant that you, you know, you bought. Those are all different ways that it can, can start up. But it's cyclical. You know, it's not gonna, because you're rotating, it's cyclical. It won't happen every year. But now next you year. Spray. Spray with what? Uh, that would be a, a spinosad or, um, uh, neem oil, um, and, uh, one of those two is best for a beetle. You, you don't really want to use the BT. That's more for the, the wormy guys. Right. Okay. Well, we have done all of that. Um, we mm-hmm. have sanitized. We don't bring stuff in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do things from seeds. Yeah. But, wow. I, I think it might be, I, well, we've always, as I say, we, we are extremely good students of, of you. <laughs> and, uh, we have always had a productive garden. This yeah. is why I, yeah. I went out and I looked and I had a, a, a 
a drying plant, and I thought maybe I nicked it with the hoe or something. Yep. And then the yep. next day they were gone. Gone, were yeah. I, I, I share the pain. I, I've been there, and <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it very well. It's like, what did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. This is It's nature's cycle, and you're, you're going to get nicked every once in a while. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it happens. So what's, um, what do you do with your cukes? Just eat them in salad or do you, do you, they're, they're do you store them in? Primarily salad. We, we do not store, we will store them, um, for the duration for mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we haven't pickled in a long time. They're yeah. primarily <laughs> just, just for salads. That's plenty good for me. <laughs> I well, like that very um, much. And today you can get these wonderful, the burpless, uh, you know, European, yes. <laughs> and the choices are really, really, Diva is one that's a real thin skin, very delicious. I mean, it's not just the one, you know, green, waxy uh, cucumber anymore. You can get some really great cukes. Well, I, I, I don't remember what we have this year, but I'm not going to say it's seedless, but there is very little seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. all just white aren't, meat. Aren't those wonderful? Yeah. Yep. And very, very tasty. But, yep. Yep. Well, wonderful. You you, you have uh, <laughs> taken away some of my guilt. And okay. if this is the worst thing that happens to us, this year, <laughs> we're in pretty good shape. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, Dave. Thanks so for much. the call. We certainly appreciate it. You're very welcome. <laughs> Take Bye-bye. care now. Yeah, bye-bye. Oh boy, that's a, that's a real disappointment when all your plants, you go out one day and they're all gone. Uh, so, um, we have, uh, Norm in Bristol. How are you doing, Norm? Good. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? Well, I've got three questions. Okay. One is, I thought I heard as I was coming inside last Saturday, uh-huh. someone say something about trimming the tops of potatoes. Yes, I, I heard that too, and I, I have never done that. Hey, do you do that? No, I, this is the first time I've grown potatoes in a long time, and back when I did, I never did trim them. Yeah. But I noticed they're getting kind of leggy, you know, they're mm-hmm. growing tall, mm-hmm. and they're spreading out. You know, this yep. is just something fairly new. I don't know if it's the weather or what's doing it. Yeah, yeah I have the same thing. It's, the, it's probably just the heat. It's been pretty extraordinary, you know, uh, regularly in the high 80s and even we've touched the 90s a few times um, and we've even turned on the air conditioner which is sort of unheard of but we we hauled it up out of the basement and put it in this year it's been really hot and I suspect that's probably why my potatoes are, are leggy um, I, I after the show after the show last week I I went out and I took a bed and I I cut the tops off about oh four six inches down just mm-hmm. to kind of see because they actually are going to die back fairly soon. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. That's the time to start pulling them, right? Uh, when, they die, when they die back and turn brown. Or right. Yeah, that's that's the the time for sure. Um, now, I tried something a little different with my potatoes this year, and I've been curious about it for a few years. Uh, I don't know about you, but I always miss a potato or two when I'm harvesting, and the next year you see a volunteer come up. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this year, um, 
uh, I must have done a terrible job of harvesting because I, I had them in almost every corner of the garden where I had potatoes last year. Oh, really? And, you know, they look so healthy and so good. You know, you sort of figure, yeah. well, you know, ooh, I don't have not planted anything else there. I'll just let it go for a while. Now, and I'll be done. Right? What's that? You do hill them up, right? Oh, yeah. I hill them up. Yeah. So these potatoes have to be a good six, maybe eight inches down into the ground because when I plant my potatoes, I dig a six or eight inch hole and I put it right in the bottom and cover it with a couple inches of dirt. So my first hilling is actually a hole filling, you know, I, and uh, I've found that that works really well for me. Uh, particularly um, where I have a, uh, all my potatoes are grown in in uh, beds, you know, raised beds. So with a raised beds, it's a little harder to scoop up stuff out of the the row and hill them up. Um, yeah. So so I tried this and that's worked really really well. You know, dig down about six, even eight inches, go down pretty good. Uh, I even used a post hole digger a couple times to, just to make you know just to try it out, uh, but usually the soil is so you know nice uh, it's easy to dig an eight inch hole and drop the spud right at the bottom of it, put a couple inches on top, and then as it grows, you know the very first it comes up to the six inches to the top of the hole, and then I just sort of snug the ground up around it you know and fill in that hole. And that works really, really well. So yeah. those volunteers have to be down, you know, six, seven, you know, inches under the ground. So when they came up, I thought, well, you know, we'll see how they do. Well, I just harvested a, a couple of them and I, I got a good five, six pounds out of one plant. And uh, so I was really tickled, and it made me think of uh, it's sort of like with the spinach I plant in the in the fall. You know that works so well, and it's so productive, and it's the best spinach you'll ever have. It's so sweet and thick, and you know it's really good. Yeah. I've had problems with deer again this year. You know, I've got fencing around my garden. <laughs> Don't even uh, say the word in. deer. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. I was looking. I did get a little bit off of it earlier. Mm -hmm. But this one uh, uh, type that my nephew gave me yeah. is uh, heirloom, and you can actually harvest the seeds mm -hmm. and keep them, you know, like I do in oh, yeah. the last jars yep. over the winter and plant them again next spring. Yeah, that's pretty cool, isn't but it? that's gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the... Yeah, the deer did quite a number on all of my greens. They ate the the kale and the collards, and even the broccoli leaves they they ate. And this is the first year I've ever had that happen. It's so, the thing I put netting over my broccoli there in my raised bed because they probably yeah. would have been in there. Too. Probably would have. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually boiling uh, water right now, uh, and I'm done up. I only had four plants in there, but they were huge broccoli heads. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm processing those right now. No. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, so I'm going to get right through my other questions. Yep. Uh, curing of onions. Now, I've got uh, some paperwork back in the day when Ed, I think, was actually in the, sure. of the show. Yep. And he said to leave them out in a tray, like out uh, in the sun for about two days. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. What you're doing is your that outer skin is really the skin that's that uh, preserves. You know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a wrapper, and you'll see yeah. when you peel an onion when you're cutting it, it's usually two real crisp 
hard brown wrappers. And those aren't on the, the onion to start with. So, you know, they're not, they're soft from the, the moisture in the soil. So you want to dry out those, those first two. Now, I, I don't like to put them right in the direct sun. I found that, uh, it's better to put them in, in a spot where it's, it's either shaded, uh, you know, partial sun, you know, not, not, because the sun, particularly in this hot weather, can can get so hot that it'll cook them. So you yeah. wanna you wanna give them a little bit of shade, or you know, like uh, in a garage, open the door, and so there's there's sunlight, but it's you know it's not direct right on the on the onions. Well, afterwards, uh, I've been hanging them uh, from beams in my uh, yep. living room. Yep. Have hooks in them. Yep. And so this, uh, I tie them, you know, three, four, sometimes mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And uh, I've got some uh, yarn that I use, and I tighten them up real tight, and then mm-hmm. hang them from the hooks. Mm-hmm. So is that a good thing? To be oh, absolutely. Uh, for some reason, uh, now the onions seem to store really well, uh, you know, uh, better like that than in a cold cellar. I mean, you can put them in a cold cellar, but you want to wrap them and make sure that there's not a little moisture that, that, uh, cause sometimes cold cellars can be a little bit on the moist side. Right. So, um, uh, my, uh, my son's girlfriend braided onions for us and, and I honestly had good onions. Uh, they were just hang, like you say, hanging on a hook in the in the kitchen, and yeah. uh, we had them right through till April. And they probably would have lasted a little. There. You left them there from the time you harvested from the, them. From right? the time, yep, yep, right on. Till April. Huh. Yep, yep. Oh, good. Maybe I won't take them down this year then. <laughs> there you uh, go. Yeah. Okay, now I can I can plant lettuce, spinach, and radish. Yeah. To replace what the deer ate. Yep. Um, and when should I put that in? It shouldn't start now, or I, I would start soon. I would start soon. Uh, it's if it, you know by the fifteenth at least. Uh, okay. of August, yeah, you want to start them because, uh, that gives you a good 30 days plus. So, okay. and they'll last into October some too. All, all of those guys will take a light frost. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. And, and the uh, radishes that's... sometimes in the fall are some of the best and the spinach really good. goes well. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. And you got a third question? Nope, that's it. Oh, yeah, the potatoes, the onions, and the spinach, lettuce, radish. Yeah, okay. You say neem oil for beetles, right? That doesn't yep. have any yeah. problem with pollination or anything? Like uh, no, that? no, it won't, won't affect anything in the pollination department. Um, uh, the, I have uh, another question. Yeah. Uh, about muskmelons and um, watermelons. Uh-huh. I was looking through my notes, like I said before. Yeah. And I came across one that, uh, because I planted both of them this year. Yeah. Uh, they said to eliminate the side shoots that come off yeah. the main stem. Yeah. So that's yep. one thing that you've done. Uh, that's that's the right thing to do. You want to eliminate them, and what you really want to do though is you want to make sure uh, on each vine that you uh, that you only try to get one and maybe two melons, because. Right. They just, you know, in our yeah. season, it's just not going to, um, right. you know, it's not going to, you're not going to develop a whole lot of them. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I started looking at the little ones developing. I said, I'm 
pretty sure I've heard where you should have only one or two on each yeah. main yeah. stem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've, I usually grow those up on, on my trellis when I do them. Oh. And uh, yeah. one of my favorite foods, actually, talking about uh, keeping stuff, is... Uh, is a dried cantaloupe. If I know it's hard yeah. to to think of of uh, of doing anything but eating cantaloupe, but if you have a lot of it, um, uh, in in the in the rare chance that you might have too much, uh, it really dries very very well, and it's like a it's a delicious delicious uh, uh, fruit to to have dried. So you put it in a, in a regular dryer? Yeah, I do. I have got an Excalibur, you know, yeah. nine tray, and it works really well. Okay. Um, right. So uh, when, uh, just a curiosity, you said you were going to process your... your uh, broccoli. Broccoli, yeah. Are you freezing that or are you canning it? What are you doing? I'm freezing it. Freezing it. So so you're just parboiling it and then putting it in the freezer. Yeah, put it in cold water. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, I have to divide uh, the heads so mm-hmm. that because it requires the bigger they are, the more time it's the process. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's that's the only, you know, big issue. And I even took the woody parts that they say to take off, and I mm-hmm. said, I'm going to try those in some mm-hmm. boiling water and yep. see if they're edible. Well, yep. It, it, they were. They Very were, good. No problem. Yep. Makes you realize why kohlrabi is so popular. Is it's just like that, you know. It's it's oh. a delicious. And when I do my broccoli, I always cut the stem and then and I peel the stem and then throw that right in with everything else, and I'll steam it right along with the head. Yeah. No sense. No sense wasting. No sense wasting it when it's that delicious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just water. Okay, well, thanks a lot. All right, Norm, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Okay, yeah, have a good day. Yeah, you too. I guess it's time for a break. We'll see you on the other side. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. It's in the garden with Peter Burke. 802-244-1777 is the phone number. And here's Peter. <laughs> well, so, um, I got a little bit carried away there, um, uh, away from the, the idea of how are you going to keep your, but we did talk about the broccoli and freezing is really, of, uh, one of the, uh, easiest ways to keep your vegetables and, and we, you know, uh, things like broccoli is absolutely perfect for that. Uh, and, uh, uh, out of the, um, well, the five different ways I was talking about canning, drying, freeze, ferment, and cold storage. Uh, there's some, one that I haven't tried, and that's freeze dry. If anybody has information on that, please, uh, please let me know. Um, but the, uh, the, each one of those, each one of the five has a place in, uh, food preservation. You know, it's not like an either or, or, um, uh, one thing is better than the other. Um, each one has its place, you know, uh, take potatoes. You know, the easiest way to keep your potatoes is, you know, I, I, uh, wash them, clean them, dry them, let them cure. 
uh, for a few days so that they're good and dry. And then I'll wrap them in newspaper and put them in a, in a uh, solid box, you know, that has a, a cover on it, sort of like a, you get at the grocery store for the, uh, for fruits. And, uh, those, uh, I've been able to keep right on through April to May, uh, a Kennebec, you know, a good storing one. But even some of the other ones that aren't quite as good, you know, some of the small reds, the Corolla, uh, we did the, um, uh, the, the red, uh, what's the name of this? It's, uh, Appalachian and it's, uh, it's got a red, uh, streak in it. Anyway, all of those stored really well until about March and then you saw the little eyes start to sprout. The Kennebec though, uh, they were going strong in April. We were, I was still opening that box and every single one was solid and beautiful and no eyes growing in them or anything. Uh, so that works really well. But if you have a, a, a lot of potatoes, more than you really, you think you can use up, then, then you want to consider something else like drying. Uh, potatoes dry well. Potatoes can be canned. Um, uh, I'm not familiar with freezing potatoes. I've never tried it, but it's, it doesn't seem to be highly recommended in the books I've read. And uh, as far as I know, there's no way to ferment a potato other than vodka. But uh, so um, we're going to stay with canning and drying for the potatoes. But that's a for instance of different ways that you can you can lengthen the storage life of something like a potato. This same thing is true with onions. One of the things I do with my onions and carrots, and I've mentioned this before, is I make a soup stock and I dry all the things in the soup stocks, including the the garlic and the basil and the celery and all the things that go that I put into a into a soup stock and then I dry that. So those are good for a very long time and those will last a couple of years. And but it's one way to extend the life of your 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 foods that you would ordinarily um, wouldn't be able to keep much longer than than April and May in cold storage. Of course, fermenting um, is not just a good way to store foods, as we found that the fer- fermented foods are actually very good for you. They, you know, they restore the gut biome and all this other good stuff. Uh, never mind, e- even if that wasn't true, um, good sauerkraut or kimchi or, uh, you know, good pickles that are, f- that are fermented are, are, you know, a real treat. I just, uh, I really like those and, and by golly, they're good for you too. And, you know, um, just to carry on, you know, for drying, I use that for most of my herbs. We do a lot of teas. I mentioned the soup stocks. Drying fruits, again, you know, you're, if you have your apples in your cold cellar, which you can do and they can keep very long, uh, but if you have more than you think you use fresh, uh, if you dry them, you'll get another, you know, another year out of them. And there's so many ways to dry, uh, apples, um, in the dryer that are, are real, again, a real treat. Just, you know, sometimes we'll, uh, dust them with a little cinnamon. Uh, uh, one of my friends, and we've tried this, actually soaks them in wine before he dries them. <laughs> and it gives them a, a great flavor. Um, you know, so there's a, a lot of different ways to make them that they're a real treat, and you can use them both in, in fresh like apple pie. You can use them 
and uh, you can just use them as a as a f- dessert fruit snack you know that type of thing um and uh i like uh oh my cherry tomatoes i love to dry those those are great so all of these things kind of have a place uh, so each one of these is a tool that you use to extend the life of your garden produce. And so you, you, you know, again, it's not an either or, one's better than the other. Each one has a place. Now, for instance, and this is a, a, a very common, you know, way to, to handle food storage is when you have a tons of tomatoes because they all seem to come in, you know, sometime in August and uh, keep going until the end of the season. But you have a lot of tomatoes and you have a lot of processing to do. And it's also the hottest time of the year. So the idea of turning on the stove, unless you have a, a you know, a, a kitchen, an outdoor kitchen, you know, it's just too darn hot to think about boiling water and doing all that. So you throw them in the freezer. And come November, then you process them, then you can them, then you make your salsas and your, you know, tomato juice and tomato sauce for your spaghetti. And so that way, you know, the freezer is a tool that holds them until, you know, it's a better time for you and stuff. Uh, dilly beans, one of my favorite things to can, um, even though we'll, uh, we can freeze some of them. Uh, the, are still our favorite. And as far as the, the, what do they call them? The britches, the, uh, the dried uh, green beans. Those are a little tough. Uh, we've tried them a few times and, and you really have to cook the heck out of them in order to make them soft enough to eat. So you kind of want to use them in a soup or something that, where they cook a long time. Um, they say the number one canned food is corn. And I have to confess, I've never actually canned corn. And uh, doesn't that seem like a sin, really? <laughs> of course, we have such wonderful corn here. Um, we tried our first round uh, from Mazas, and it's just fantastic. Oh, my gosh, what a treat. Every year is just a real treat. Um so it's interesting uh, to to see the way that all these things work together. It's not just an either-or kind of thing. Um, let's see now. We have, um, of course, uh, you can do uh, different kinds of, when you're drying your foods. Uh, you used a dryer, didn't you, Joel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I used the uh, Ron Papil. Uh, dryer. <laughs> the very first one that went on the infomercials 30 years ago, and it's still cranking along. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I lost my dryer in the fire, so I'm looking forward to getting back home and, and, uh, getting another dryer. I like that one I had, the Excalibur. Mm-hmm. It was expensive. It was like 250 bucks, something like that. But it was nine trays, and it had a, you know, you can set a temperature, and then there was a timer on there. So, you know, there's lots of good things that, that I liked about it. So I'm looking yeah, not, forward not to that. Not just things from the garden. I, I like buying I like buying uh, bananas, which I don't grow yeah. in the backyard. Yeah, no. And slicing them and <laughs> putting a drop of maple syrup on them. Oh, yeah. And then drying those. Oh, yeah. It. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, and that's a, that's an interesting interesting thing, and I brought, I'm glad you brought it up because 
you know, a lot of times uh, there just isn't the time or the room to to grow all the things that you want to store. And uh, this time of year when the harvest is really uh, coming in, you know, you can buy apples or oh, peaches, two twenty nine. Oh, yeah. Two twenty nine a pound. They uh, dry beautifully those, too. Yeah, and those are the those Pennsylvania peaches, and I even they were selling the Pennsylvania white nectarines, which were fantastic. And um, so you can, uh, you know, until that point when you're growing all your own fruit and all your own uh, vegetables, you can go to the farmers market and, and process. And the room just smells so beautifully, oh. you know, beautiful. <laughs> it, uh, much better. Overpowering the cat box, much better than than what comes from that cat cat room. Okay, oh, <laughs> what a thought. Well, it works <laughs> better than plugging in those things and you know in the wall that they advertise. You know, right, no, yeah. no, Joe, just start drying some those orange those uh, orange tomatoes. You know, those wonderful yeah. little yeah. mini tomatoes. We do have somebody on the line. If I get the right button, please. Your first name in town. Uh, Dick and Waterbury. Hey. Hey, Dick. How are you today? I'm, I'm doing well. And you? Good. Good. Uh, blueberry question. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of blueberries this year. Yeah. But a lot of them were just dried, pretty much dried right on the right on the bush. Was that lack of water? Uh, I would say probably first and foremost, it is a lack of water. Now that's a it's a funny thing because it's a bush. And this is true for fruit teas too, is you don't really think, uh, that they need to be watered, you know, cause their mm-hmm. roots are deep and all the rest. Um, but, uh, things like asparagus or rhubarb or any of those annual perennials, um, even your, you know, raspberries and blackberries and, and all those, all those fruits do need to be watered. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if if that's something you're doing or haven't done or no, it, it's something we try to do on yeah. a fairly regular basis. Huh. And the, and they're still drying out right. Uh, well, uh, you know, then I'll just have to go back to the idea that it's just so darn hot, you know, that that uh, it's hard to keep up with them. What you can try? Uh, do you still have blueberries on the bushes? Uh, we pretty much picked the rest of the, yeah. the good ones. Yesterday, uh-huh. I think my wife said what was left there, the squirrels and the birds could have. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, got to that point, huh? Yeah. Um, I give them, you know, every spring I give them a, a good shot of uh, mm-hmm. uh, blueberry power, yep. uh, ammonium sulfate. Um, and a, a buddy of mine here, I was talking with him earlier this week, and he said his was the same thing. He had lots of berries, and a good many of them just dried right there. Yeah. Yeah, the the heat is is really an issue, and uh, you you may find uh, if if it, if it's again next year that kind of um, the kind of heat uh, that we've had this summer, then you might want to consider a shade cloth. And I don't know if you've seen that, but uh, it, you know it it sort of goes with the the netting that you put on for birds. Right. And it's uh, usually black, and it shades them just a whisker. And this was an issue uh, earlier. I don't know if you heard uh, uh, about the um, uh, the the white derplet syndrome on blackberries. Um, mostly, that's an issue of of it being too hot with dry winds. And uh, so it sounds like that's actually what you've got a situation where it was just so hot. 
And the same thing, um, you know, the shade cloth is one, two is um, uh, actually misting them uh, at uh, some point during the day, uh, you know, like about 10 o'clock just before the high heat. Yep. Um, and that helps to keep them cool, you know, just like uh, just like kids in the in the sprinkler, you know, right, helps right, to keep yep. them cool. And so, because um, they don't obviously can't sweat, you know, what you're doing is you're just you're you're wetting them a little bit so that they can yeah. keep cool. And every every couple of weeks, I give them a good spraying also of uh, fish emulsion. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, so you have healthy bushes. That's yeah. that's yeah. not so the really issue. Healthy. Yeah. Um, they're, they, the biggest one is probably, I don't know, 15 years old, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's cool. But, yep. Nothing better than going out and picking a handful of blueberries. Absolutely nothing better than that. Yeah. Except, <laughs> and I'm still uh, waiting for my tomatoes to ripen. They seem to be taking an awful yeah. long time. Yeah. Well, um, again, uh, uh, at 85 degrees, the tomatoes tend to slow down their ripening, which is sort of, Seems like a counterintuitive. You would think the hotter the better because they're warm weather plants. Mm-hmm. But uh, I found out when the, the first time I used a greenhouse, I, I you know I had these nice toma- tomatoes, but they weren't ripening. And that's when I found out that over 85 degrees, you know, you you need to cool them down some way. And I I wasn't cooling them down enough to to get huh. them to ripen up. Yep. So okay. Yeah, and of course, you know, there is always the psychological thing is like you're all ready to eat those tomatoes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the watch tomato never ripens. Right. You know. We've had plenty of squash and <laughs> an overabundance of cucumbers. And you're a lucky man. It's your turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. why I always plant cherry tomatoes because yeah. they're the first ones in. Yeah. <laughs> and we just picked our first uh, uh, sun gold, so we're pretty happy with that. So, uh, so your blueberries are drying out, and yep. your tomatoes are don't want to um, don't want to ripen. Don't want to ripen up. And yeah. I've got cherry tomatoes, and I got some of those black cherry tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. And, How are those? Yeah. Um, so I'm just down there every day looking at them and say, "Come on, come on." <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you much. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. That reminds me of the story that yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get back to that later on. After our break, we need to uh, thank our sponsors, and uh, we'll be back after this. In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. The program is in the garden, and the number to call to be on the program with your comments or questions, 802-244-1777. And once again, here's Peter. Hey, Joel. We have Lawrence uh, from Marchfield on the line, from what I hear. Hey, Lawrence, how are you? Hey, Peter. Hey, Joel. Uh, <laughs> are you canning? I'm going to talk about the blueberries for a moment. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, it depends on what your last caller was talking about. Does he mean that it was when they were 
that they dried up, that they were all shriveled up and nothing, or were they hard inside? Because if they were just hard berries, yeah, we had a few of those, and it's that insect that's been oh the blueberries, the fruit fly, that one. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. And we had a few a few berries like that, but most of ours were fine. But I had yeah. a neighbor who talked about having them too, and so if it's just if they're he means they dried up their hard. It could be that. Mm-hmm. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought about that when he was talking about it, but it didn't sound like that because what I found, well, we had them a couple of years ago, and when you when I squished it, you could see the little maggots inside, and uh, they were they were soft and squishy, but I never had any that were hard. Is that what you've been seeing? Is that they harden up after a while? That's what uh, my partner is saying, that uh-huh. they, they're they hard inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah. That's well, that's we a possibility, know. too. You're you're right. And I, I I sort of discounted that just because of the how hot it's been. And the other thing with blueberries is they're very shallow root, rooted. Mm-hmm. And if you're only watering one side of the plant, the other side will... Won't get any water. No kidding. So you got you got to water the whole thing. Wow. So wow. I, I I actually didn't realize that. I, I I'm trying to think yeah. of how I water the plants. I basically put the hose right there at the base of the plant. I've always assumed that it will will uh, soak down and in and around, but there is a slight hill there. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So that's another possibility. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. a possibility. So, um, what do you do? You do any uh, canning, drying, freezing, fermenting? Freezing. Freezing. Yeah, we freeze. I mean, uh, we freeze the blueberries, and mm-hmm. we do, uh, and we, uh, well, we ferment our milk and make yogurt, of course. Oh because, yeah. Uh, Sometimes we make kimchi, sometimes sauerkraut. Oh, yeah. Like all all yeah. good things, yes. Yogurt. And, right? and Connie, does, she dries a lot of herbs. Oh, yeah, wonderful. We have them yeah. over the winter, and boy, it, it just makes everything so much better. Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Dried uh, oregano and thyme and uh-huh. things like that. Yeah, now it's interesting because oregano is so much better when it's dried than when it's fresh. You know, it's got, it seems to really concentrate the oils in it and really nice. And, uh, yeah. we do the, uh, have you ever tried that, the, uh, the holy basil or the Tulsi for? Yep. She does that too. To does make she? Tea. Yeah. My wife yeah. is very fond of Tulsi. She likes that quite a bit. But she finds that, uh, when she drinks it with fresh leaves, mm-hmm. it's a lot different than dried. And sometimes she seems to have a negative reaction when it's dried. I don't know. When it's or dried. Maybe, huh. maybe you would it's think the it opposite. You would think it would be. Yeah. <laughs> My brain does that. But one state that's not as good as the other. Well, we found that if you let them uh, flower, uh, they have these you know nice little blue flowers, and you dry the flowers right along with the leaves, um, yeah. it, it has a little sweeter flavor, and it's really extraordinarily good. 
so anyway, that was uh, I did it for uh, my daughter, who's a Ayurvedic doctor, and they like the Tulsi quite a bit, and she yeah. uh, likes Tulsi tea. And when I said, "Here, try this," and she was like, "Oh my God, that's the best Tulsi I've ever had." So uh, <laughs> you know, oh yeah, <laughs> let it flower, give it a try, see if uh, see if you like it. Sounds great. All right, good. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, Lawrence, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, bye, Joel. All righty. More blueberries. And uh, one of the things that... Oh, that was one of the things I... In the, in the whole thing about canning, right? It's not... There's two types of canning. And this is... Uh, sort of a canning basic and it almost should be like a second category because uh, the water bath canning, which I think we're all familiar with, right? The big uh, enameled pot with a, you know, and uh, and then canning with a, um, a pressure a canner. And those are very different for very different purposes. And uh, so... You know, if you're interested in, in canning things like meats or green beans or something like that, um, you know, there's, they're, they're not acid foods. They're non-acid foods. And so those need, uh, uh, an extra amount of pressure in order to get a tight enough seal to, to make sure that they're safe. Now, the acid foods, you know, or, or ones that you would assume, uh, sort of like with your fruits, uh, you know, tomatoes and, uh, the dilly beans, of course, have lots of vinegar in them. So th- those are considered acid foods. Those can be canned in, in a water bath. And a water bath is pretty simple to do. You know, it's just a big pot of boiling water. You put the cans in, you know, you go through the process of washing them and all the rest of the stuff. You put them in the water and boil them for so many minutes. And then, uh, of course, the fun part of, of that is taking them out and just waiting to hear the little uh, lids pop. You know, they, they make this little popping sound. And it's sort of like nobody can go to bed until, you know, they hear the popping sound. And we know that we're counting them. That was six. We had seven in the pod, you know. <laughs> So anyway, that's the water bath, and but the other one. Uh, oh, we've got Nola on the line. I'll shut up for a minute. Nola's <laughs> Joel. like a dream come true. She's sweet and unaffected. Everything Nola seems to do is really unexpected. Nola has and hey, Nola, welcome. Hey there. I I didn't want to get in the way of what you were talking about. No, that's fine. Because my my question, and it is a question today, is uh-huh. not about the sublime. Yes. It's not about the joy of multiple amounts of huge, amazing plants and vegetables. Um, we have a greenhouse. You know that. Yep. I've told you all that. Yeah. And one side of the greenhouse is up against the forest, mm-hmm. more or less, yep. spruces and balsams. The other side is up against a great big field. And mm-hmm. on that side is where the propane tanks are. Okay. At the front of the greenhouse. And in order to get to the back garden, you must walk past the propane tanks. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah. Except that on Thursday, as I was walking past them with my dog and my husband, we noticed a huge amount of buzzing. And what we have, we have the amazing artists, the paper wasps, oh. building nests inside of the top of the propane tanks. 
goodness. And I don't want to hurt them. They're amazing, amazing insects. But I also don't want them to get upset with me as I walk past that spot every day many, many times. Yeah. Any suggestions as to how we can live in peace? Oh, goodness. Well, first of all, you, you, you have to... You have to figure, uh, is, is somebody gonna come and fill those tanks soon? Not until these guys leave. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's my, you know, you yeah, wanna no, make sure that. Generally nobody comes until October. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. and by so that time they'll not be, an issue yet. They'll be frozen out, yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's, it can be dangerous, you know. Uh, so you want to make sure you proceed with caution for sure because you get them mad at you, you know. I know, and then it hurts. Yes, and you know, and your pets too, your dog, and and all all those guys uh, can be affected too. So um, I I know nobody likes to spray and and do that stuff. Um, if you're feeling uh, that you really don't want to, you know, spray the raid on them or anything like that, you can try a regular old garden hose if you have a powerful spray. Yeah. And that would uh, at least destroy the nest and they would go someplace else. And the, quest- right. the question oh, is, is... the same. I'm sure this is the same family that built their huge basketball-sized nest on the front of the greenhouse. Oof. Back a few years ago, and oh. we had peace for that summer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my sense is, hey, you know, remember where Grandpa lived? That was a really cool spot. Let's go back and, <laughs> you know. So I don't know. Yeah. But, all right, I didn't think about using water, but maybe we can try that. Yeah. Um, uh, well, make sure that you, you have enough distance there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, it. <laughs> It's okay. It's I, a tough I, I, one because it was a problem child when I called. <laughs> I, I so, uh, so Nola, what do you can or do you cold cellar or ferment or freeze or? <laughs> we mostly freeze. Freeze, yeah. We mostly freeze. You That's... know, I'm spoiled. I've got the greenhouse. Yep. Into December and mm-hmm. then starts again in March, so that's a treat. Yeah. And then what we have, it's generally the tomatoes that get frozen. Yeah. Yeah. Potatoes, they just go in a great big trash can in the basement. Yeah, yep. that None of our rodent friends will cold, get to them. Cold cellar, yeah, yeah. And the garlic, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. dry. So, yeah. yeah so mostly uh, freezer and cold cellar. Yeah. What you're doing, yeah. Um, and, you know, you'd mentioned it, it's just this is the time of the year when everything's happening. Mm-hmm. So the thought of taking a few days to can, mm-hmm. all the work get done. <laughs> <laughs> it is that I, I have to decide which yeah. is most important, and I'd rather be outside than inside anyway. Well, there was a, a good article in the Mother of News, and there was one. It was you know thirty top tips about food preservation, and and my favorite, of course, was you know a lady who said was there, oh no it was robin robin mather says calculate your annual need for whatever you're planning to preserve i feel like a genius when i realized i use approximately 4 14 ounce cans of diced tomatoes a month and that is, if i just can 3 or 4 pints a week during tomato season mm-hmm. i'd end up enough End up with enough for the entire year. See, well, I, instead I, of trying to do it all at once. All yeah. at once, yeah. I, I'd like that kind of 
thoughtfulness about, you know, well, how much do you really need it? And I've watched a few YouTube videos about people who are, you know, wanted to grow all their own food. And, you know, they're up till 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, preserving more food than they need. And, and you know, you can see by the quantities that they have, they could feed like an army of people. Assuming they don't slip and put sugar instead of salt or salt instead of sugar <laughs> or something like that. Oh, that never happens. So, so we got to be alive and awake when we're doing this stuff. That's right, yeah. And this is why we started out in March, so we yeah. could have good things. To yeah. consume. Yeah. yeah. Do you have time for a little more of the milkweed point, or you have to go? I have a caller. Then you... we'll let let the caller go. So we'll see what goes with the wasps, and if okay. uh, all right, what? we won't be swollen with bites next weekend. We did receive a call, Nola, from somebody that said that uh, however you eventually decide to deal with them, deal with them at dusk. That's when they are most dormant. Okay, and just in case they disagree with mm. whatever you do mm. with them, yeah, good they're idea. a little, uh, they're uh, somnol- somnolent, I guess, at that time, yes. right? right? Is that the word? Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank that, you so much, whoever called. Thank yeah. you. And good idea. Have a great, have a great, have a great day. All right. Okay. We'll look forward to the rest of the poem. Judy in Hyde Park, how are you today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm left with questions about onions. And yeah. I wondered if you could just go over it quickly with me. I, I got just a little bit of your talk on how to keep them best. And um, mm-hmm. I, we lay them out in the garage. Yep. And, um, but I missed how, like, how long you leave, what's good, um, good timing, and, and what do you look for to know when you're ready to, you know, put them away? Mm-hmm. Well, um, the the first thing that I like to make sure we do is to to make sure that the dirt is all off the roots, and I like to take a pair of scissors and actually cut those roots, you know, fairly short, you know, even a quarter inch. Okay. And then I I cut the tops. Uh, some people like to leave the tops on until they're completely dried, but I cut them, uh, and that way it's a little easier to lay them out and and. Uh, uh, you know, in, in rows and, you know, without the tops hanging out all over the place. So, uh, then you want to let them, uh, go for, um, at least two days and probably a week. It sort of depends on how quickly they dry, which also depends on what variety you're, you're drying, you're using. Um, and what you want is a, is a nice, tight brown skin and it'll dry a little bit more in storage but um, uh, that's that's what you're looking for anyway now the alternative to that of course is if you can you can tie them together braid them you know you can leave the the leaves on you know the and either tie them together or braid them and uh, hang them up and store them that way and I've had good luck with that that works very well actually Peter, we have a uh, just a regular cellar, and we have a furnace in the cellar. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, what does it stay in the fifties? Yeah, that's fine for onions. That's is absolutely that, that fine. That is a good place to yeah. keep them, and we usually put them in a mesh 
bag, and yep. we do cut the top. Off. Yep, perfect. The mesh bag is perfect, and if you hang them like that, they'll, they'll last a, a good long time. Uh, like I said, I had mine right up through April and uh, almost into May by the time they started to sprout, you know. And when they start to sprout, you can still use them for the most part as long as they, you know, don't turn brown. But, right. Um, you know, you uh, and the ones that I hung were actually right in my kitchen, so... Um, those, those work pretty well. Good. Yeah. Thank you very so, much. I, you're you're some welcome. Of it I, I felt like, oh, I'm not really clear about it, so that, that helped me. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right, good. Well, let me know how how long they lasted next year when we come All back. All right, we will. <laughs> All right, Judy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you take care now. Thanks, you too. Yep, bye-bye. Yep, bye. Joel, uh, once again, we've gone over time. Thank you very much for sharing your show with us. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess uh, it'll be next week, same time, same station. Same station, yes. And uh, if uh, we'll see you then in yep. the garden. That's right. Spice, All right. Row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. In the Garden today has been brought to you by the Willie Store, family owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Poly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington. One call does it all. Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway. They've got everything there on East Montpelier Road. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store, serving the community on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. Many coupon specials these days, too. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop. Flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and more. V's Flowers and Garden Shop in Waitsfield. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. For store locations and hours, go online, sticksandstuff.com. PR Lumber, Route 15 in Wolcott. Family Mill Lumber for all your projects at PR Lumber in Wolcott. Check them out on Facebook. Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Online at guysfarmandyard.com. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. They sponsor the In the Garden podcast, which allows you to listen at any time you care to. Dandelion Acres Garden Center online at dandelionacres.com. Do join us again next Saturday at 1230 during the noon hour for In the Garden with Peter Burke.